Welcome to the Life After Death Pod Class. I'm your host, Eric Hodgson. I just wish I would have done more for her. This is what Anna told me about her friend, Sarah. Hey everyone, this is Eric Hodgson, and welcome back to another episode of the Life After Death podcast, the lessons to lead yourself and others after a loss. Anna and Sarah knew of each other in high school, but it wasn't until many years later that they connected on social media. In 2013, Sarah posted that she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and so Anna reached out, and after a few get-togethers, They were fast friends. In February of 2019, Sarah learned that after six years in remission, her breast cancer had come back, and it only brought Anna and Sarah closer together as friends, even though Sarah was living in Florida. By mid-year, Sarah was having trouble breathing. After some tests, her oncologist confirmed that the cancer had now moved to her lungs. And so, not wasting any time at all, Sarah's mother flew to Florida and drove Sarah all the way back to Massachusetts with 12 tanks of oxygen in the car. The day they arrived in Massachusetts, Sarah's mom brought her right to the hospital, and Sarah had emergency surgery the next day to try to remove as much of the cancer as possible. While still recovering from that surgery, Sarah contracted a virus that was affecting her lungs. In an attempt to treat it, Her doctors administered a shot of steroids and an antibiotic, but her body couldn't tolerate it at all. In fact, her breathing became so labored that at times she told Anna it felt like she was drowning. Well, the doctors tried diligently to find something to help fight the virus. And after a few days, and with Sarah's mother, brother, and Anna all in the hospital room, the oncology team came in and shut the door. A discussion that was supposed to be about the next medication to treat the virus instead turned into a discussion about Sarah's end of life. Anna said she felt like she was having an out-of-body experience, and she told me that everything went quiet, and I just looked around the room. The doctors knew this was difficult news to hear, and Sarah's brother and mother simply closed their eyes, and the tears just came down. But Sarah... She wasn't upset. She just began asking questions about what it was like to die. And they weren't panicked questions, but rather acceptance-based questions because she knew it was time. And the doctors were very open with her. Anna was scared because Sarah had been worried about the possibility that she wouldn't live to see her daughter grow up. Anna returned a couple of days later, and when she walked in Sarah's room, she said it was as if there was a sunbeam just shining right down on Sarah. She was at such a place of resolution and peace, and Sarah wanted to talk about it. And so they did for hours. And at one point during the conversation, Sarah turned to Anna and asked, Will you hold my hand? And without hesitation, Anna did that because it always made Sarah feel calm, When Anna was about to leave after this wonderful day with her friend, she said, I'll see you in a couple of days. And Sarah replied, well, we'll see. 
But for the next four days, no one outside of the family was allowed to see Sarah. And that upset Anna because she couldn't talk with her friend or hold her hand. And Anna was simply hoping to spend more time with her. And she did understand that Sarah's family wanted to be with her. And it did help some that Sarah's brother would update Anna after each day. And late evening on the fourth day of all of this, Sarah's brother texted Anna to let her know that Sarah had slipped away. Anna and I were talking just a couple of weeks ago, and she said something that struck me as important about the early days of loss. She told me that she felt guilty because she didn't feel like she did enough for Sarah. And this made me think back to my experience of losing Zoe. When it comes to regrets and guilt, they are probably second in line to the sadness that you feel when you lose a loved one. And, you know, maybe you're regretting that you didn't get to say goodbye. Or maybe you were fighting with your loved one and that didn't get resolved. Or, in Anna's case, she felt like she didn't get to say everything that needed to be said. Maybe you're feeling guilty because of past mistakes that were made between you and your loved one. Or maybe if you had done something different, your loved one would still be here. Or maybe it would have changed their trajectory of their life in some way. In one way or another, you're feeling like something didn't get done. I know that whenever I would think of just one thing that I perceived that I didn't do right as Zoe's dad, it made me feel like everything I did as a dad wasn't right. It amplified my guilt 10x. And worse, I couldn't fix it or atone for it now that Zoe wasn't here. And when you're going through grief, regret and guilt are the equivalent of placing a lot of weight of self-blame, self-loathing, and self-sabotage on our shoulders and expecting that to be with us for the rest of our lives. But why is that? I mean, guilt is an emotion and it's telling us something specific. It's telling us that we have to reframe our regrets and guilt and take action. Two years ago, I was coaching a woman. I'll call her Lynn. And Lynn told me that she lost her husband 30 years ago. To make matters worse, she felt like she was still on day one in terms of her grief. Emotionally, she felt as though she lost her husband just yesterday. And she said that at some point every day, she would cry. And that had been the case for the last 30 years. And she just couldn't move on because she felt guilty. And as she said to me, who am I to live my life if he's not here for us to do things together? And this is the story she'd been telling herself for the last 30 years. And those guilty thoughts had become her reality. And she truly hadn't been living her life. And so I asked Lynn to think about if the situation was reversed. Lynn, what if you had passed away and your husband was still here? Would you want him to continue to live his life? to be happy, to be guilt-free. And without hesitation, Lynn said, oh yes, I would want him to be so happy and to know that I was okay. And I would feel horrible if he felt guilty because he was so good to me all those years that we were together. And then Lynn paused for a second and said, 
oh my God, I've never thought of it that way. I've always been so focused on what we weren't going to be able to do together after he died, and so I just stopped living my life. Well, Lynn and I spoke a couple of weeks after this coaching session, and she told me that when she thought she was going to cry, she remembered putting herself in her husband's shoes, and it helped tremendously. She was letting go of the guilt by taking action on the reframing of her thoughts. Then here's the thing. Not only 30 years later, but also very much in the early days of losing a loved one, we can struggle with guilt and regret. We want our loved one to say that it's okay, and the reality is that isn't going to happen. And so if you're struggling with guilt and regret, or you know someone who is, I'd like to share with you a reframing tool that you can use right now to help in those overwhelming moments. First, identify what your guilt is telling you. About 18 months after Zoe died, I was really stuck and I was constantly saying to myself, I'm so sorry, Zoe. I should have been a better dad for you. And I was saying it every day over and over. And I remember one day feeling really guilty and saying that out loud. And it felt like Zoe was right there saying back to me, Dad, geez, cut it out. I'm okay. And that's when I realized that my guilt was telling me that I was holding on to a false perception that I didn't love Zoe enough or that I didn't do enough for her. And so if the first step is to identify what your guilt is telling you, the next step is to determine what you're going to do about it. After I identified what my guilt was telling me, the story I was telling myself was going to change. And it did. It was no longer about what I didn't do for Zoe, but rather what I could do now for her friends and others in the realm of grief support and helping them to get up. And what Lynn was going to do about it was to catch herself crying and ask herself if it was the guilt or something else that was making her emotional. And so after you identify what your guilt is telling you, and you determine what you're going to do about it, the final step in this reframing tool is to put that new action into practice right away. After Lynn would catch herself crying, she had to practice this new action of reframing her situation over and over. Consistently putting this reframing tool into action, it ensures that you're not letting the guilt take over. And it allows you to be okay when you have those guilty or regretful thoughts come in. Once Anna identified why she felt guilty, she chose to remember everything that she did do for Sarah by reminding herself daily that she did spend a lot more time with Sarah than anyone else and that she was able to hold Sarah's hand when she needed it the most. And that repeated action helped to dissolve any guilt that Anna was feeling. Guys, look, once you can apply this new perspective, this new tool, it becomes easier to move your thoughts from that false narrative of guilt to a more realistic view of your real role in your loved one's life. What I was saying to myself for the longest time was, I'm so sorry, Zoe. I should have been a better dad for you. And when I started saying, I love you, Zoe, 
I hope you know that I did everything in my power to be the best dad for you. It changed everything, and I felt that release of the guilt. In these early days of loss, all of your feelings will be amplified. My advice is to try to remain aware of your thoughts and use the reframing tool when you can. It is normal to feel like you could have done more. But remember, you did do everything possible that you could do. You said everything that was supposed to be said. Guilt is such a powerful emotion, and we do have the power to change our thoughts about it. We can't turn the clock back, but we can move forward and let the guilt go. And that's okay. Let's continue to walk together. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Life After Death Pod Class. I'm your host, Eric Hodgson, and I invite you to download the companion PDF, take notes, teach what you've learned, and share this pod class with others that you know.